0: This episode of Live Incorporated is brought to you by Blind. Blind is a safe, trusted community of more than 5 million verified professionals. Head over to teamblind.com to get the latest insights into salaries, company reviews, and interview experiences at thousands of companies worldwide. What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate, and oh my God! Oh my God! (laughs) We have an incredible interview for you today. W. Kamal Bell, man. Yes, dog. We had him on the show. We got him. We got him. (laughs) Um, I'm so excited to get to this interview. We talk a little bit about um, his book, Do the Work. Make sure you click the link in the show notes and we talk a little bit about his show on cnn and um, look i'm just so excited to get to this and he said he come back you know what i'm saying so we can hold him to that and um before we get to the interview i will say this though it's that we use a lot of these phrases and it's important to honor where the phrases and this language came from it's easy to get distracted because you see white supremacists who want to co-opt it or undermine it or uh, white lazy liberals who want to, you know, co- colonize it. But the reality is, is that, you know, doing the work means usurping structures and systems that have historically and continue to oppress historically marginalized people. I am so honored that I've been able to meet some really great people who have really do- doing the work. And the work doesn't always exist on the mic or in front of the camera, right? The work exists in those tough conversations in the boardrooms um, with your families uh, with in meetings, uh, like they, they exist in relationships um, that you try to forge or relationships that you have to end. Um, They exist in the laws that are stood up, but um, the work continues. And again, excited about it. Make sure y'all check out this interview before we uh, check in with, uh, W Kamal bell. We're going to go ahead and tap in with Tristan. See you soon. The corporate is brought to you by Doximity. Doximity is committed to fostering an inclusive and diverse work environment where differences are valued. Practices are equitable and employees experience a sense of belonging that allows them to bring their full authentic selves daily. As medicine's largest network, there's an elevated level of responsibility to everything we do. We don't take that responsibility lightly and are committed to working towards a more equitable world inside and beyond our virtual office walls. So if you want to learn more about Doximity, go to your app store and type in D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. Again, that's D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. When you're building a culture of belonging, every word counts. That's why Textio brings the world's most advanced language insights into your hiring and employer brand content. Our industry-leading approach to artificial intelligence and machine learning provides the tools needed to find more diverse candidates. In short, Textio builds more equitable workspaces, guiding businesses and writing more inclusive job posts. And we're building on that success by bringing even more products to the market for all people who share our belief that language matters. Words have power. And at Textio, we harness that power to increase the access and availability of value-driven work for everyone.
1: What's going on, Living Corporate? It's Tristan, and I want to thank you for tapping back in with me as I provide some tips and advice for professionals. This week, I want to discuss how to set yourself up for a raise or promotion so you can be where the money resides, where the money resides, where the money resides, where the money resides, okay? (laughs) Many of us arrive at our end-of-the-year reviews with our fingers crossed, hoping that we receive that raise or promotion. The majority of us end up disappointed, either because we got that standard industry 2% raise, or worse, none at all. That's never a fun space to be in, but there are a few steps you can take to increase your chances of landing a higher raise or that promotion you were seeking. Many of the things we are going to discuss were inspired by a thread I found on Twitter by Simone B. At Simone M-B-A-N-N-A. So let's dive into them. It starts at the beginning of the year when you're setting your goals with your boss. Take some time to identify the intersection of what the company wants and what you provide. Where those two things overlap is what you can do for the company, your unique value proposition, if you will. All of your goals should be derived from this area as they will serve the dual purpose of meeting the company's goals and meeting some of your own professional goals. When setting these goals, you wanna focus on things that are relevant to your personal and professional goals, things that are impactful to the company, and finally, things that can be measured or quantified. Use the acronym RIM r-i-m to remember where you should be focusing relevant impactful and measurable many professionals make the mistake of waiting until their performance review to discuss a raise or promotion these are conversations that should be happening all year round during your one-on-ones with your boss take the time to ask them am i on track to receive a raise or am i on track to receive a promotion and if not what do i need to change lastly you want to make sure you gather receipts keep emails from internal and external stakeholders who are singing your praises for the work you've done simone mentioned even creating a survey to send out to people you've worked with to measure your performance against company goals and promotional criteria this is actually a tactic i successfully used in several jobs ensure that you share this information with your boss both in your one-on-ones and during your performance review If you follow these tips, you will set yourself on the right track to get where the money resides, whether that's a raise or a promotion. Make sure to follow Simone at Simone M. Banna, which is S-I-M-O-N-E-M-B-A-N-N-A on Twitter because she is continually dropping gems. Thanks for tapping in with me today. Don't forget, I'm now taking submissions from you all on career questions, issues, concerns, or advice you think may help others. So make sure to submit yours at bit.ly forward slash tap in Tristan. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash T-A-P-I-N-T-R-I-S-T-A-N. This tip was brought to you by Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Layfield Resume, or connect with me, Tristan Layfield, on LinkedIn. This episode of Live in
0: Corporate is brought to you by Blind. Blind is a trusted community of more than 5 million verified professionals. On Blind, professionals connect and have honest discussions about salaries and what it's really like to work at or interview with a company. You can also join your private company channel to have a candid and safe conversation with your coworkers about what's really going on. And because it's anonymous, you can be honest and trust what you read. Check out teamblind.com to get the latest insights and the answers to your workplace questions. in Corporate is brought to you by Doximity. Over 90% of graduating medical students join Doximity to use our tools before earning their doctoral degree. As medicine's largest network, there's an elevated level of responsibility to everything we do. We don't take that responsibility lightly and are committed to working towards a more equitable world inside and beyond our virtual office walls. You wanna learn more about Doximity, Make sure you go to your app store. Type in D O X I M I T Y. That's D O X I M I T Y. W. Kamal Bell. Hey, hey, man! I'm gonna ask you a loaded question off top. How you doing, man? I'm
2: doing. I'm, I I am highly highly favored. What's the expression? <laughs> Blessed than
0: highly favored. Amen.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I'm uh. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm doing. You know, I'm. You know, I could complain, but I know I'm doing better than most, and I am in a very privileged position
0: in my career and ability to sit here and talk to you about all this. So, I'm do. I'm doing good. You got the bars off top. All right, look. Now you've made a career uh, of helping us laugh at the idiocy, idiocy and absurdity of oppression, while also dropping bars. This book do the work does that very well. I have a question for you is how do you find the balance of making jokes about white supremacy while also not pointedly making the readers of the book, mostly white folks, feel like they're the butt of the joke? I mean, was that some of the parameters of what jokes made it and what maybe didn't? Well, first of all, I
2: mean, I I co-wrote this book with a white lady, and she had no problem being the butt of the joke sometime. I think, you know, the idea being that, like, you might get your feelings hurt, but shouldn't you have your feelings hurt about supporting white supremacy? Like, shouldn't you feel bad if if you have unwillingly been a pawn in white supremacy, or if you've benefited from it, didn't realize it? So... The, I mean, I think the idea being that we want people to do the work. So sometimes you take the scrub brush out to get people to go, you need to feel this. And then sometimes you go, we're going to be a little more gentle. But it's also about all the different ways in which we approach it. So, yeah, it's like you definitely want people to you definitely want white folks to participate in anti-racist work. As You definitely want white folks, as my pastor, Pastor Mike McBride, says, to stop
0: reaching for whiteness to protect them. And so you want them to get into it. Man, so, you know, my background is in uh, DEI consulting, And I remember the summer of George Floyd was murdered. Black mm-hmm. was in vogue, right? Mm-hmm. Like white folks was painting roads of Black Lives Matter. Companies were making multimillion dollar pledges and hiring a bunch of white DEI consultants. And <laughs> diversity conclusion for those catching up. Every white woman was starting a book club and they were baking their mac and cheese, man. Yeah. <laughs> it was a whole season. Do you think that we're still in that moment? And if not, can this book still thrive outside of that moment?
2: Well, so here's the thing. So when we were making the book, the publisher's like, I wish it could come out tomorrow because this is the moment of racism and this, it's all happening right now. And me and Kate, my co-author, were like, it'll be fine. And so look. You know, just right, just right now on my phone, I saw that another police one of the, another one of the police officers who murdered George Floyd was convicted of federal charges for murder. He's gonna and he's gonna serve thirty months in jail for murdering this unarmed black man George Floyd. So that is that a victory? I, on some level, it's a victory, but also just recently there have been black folks who've been unarmed black folks who've been killed by cops. I'm thinking about Jalen Walker uh, is one of the ones who was running away from the cops unarmed and killed by police officers. So. That George Floyd moment, which led to all this quote-unquote racial reckoning, has not stopped cops from killing unarmed black people. So so I think the thing we need white people to learn is that don't just do the work when it seems cool. The work's got to be done every day. It's no different than exercising. If you exercise once a year, you ain't doing nothing. If you you have to exercise regularly to get the benefit of that work, and it's the same thing with anti racism, and I feel like we you got to put it in your Google calendar. You gotta you gotta actually make sure that you wake up and do it every day. The first page of the book is a poster that says "End White Supremacy," and we challenge you to put that somewhere up around your community to so people know what you're all about. And again. Black folks, we've been doing this work for a long time. I'm not saying black folks won't get something out of this book because there's a lot of history in here that ain't just about black folks. There's a lot of ways in which we encourage you to collect with your local community organizations that black folks should do too. But this really is aimed at those white folks who think, like as Jelani Cobb, my friend says, think buying Juneteenth ice cream from Walmart is doing the work. It ain't doing the work,
0: baby. So let me ask you actually a follow-up question to that. To your whole point around like, man, the publisher was like, man, I wish we could... Drop this tomorrow. Now, come on, I'm not calling you old, right? But you turn 50 next year, all right? Okay. Thanks. Thanks. That's a nice way to say happy birthday. <laughs> Respect. What's Respect that? to you and love. No, it's okay. Uh, I know. As a black man, that's like 70 in white years. I get it. Facts, though. I'm, I'm, it's, I, it's, I look at you and it's like, man, I'm looking like this mythical creature. It's incredible. <laughs> um, my pop just cracks 50. So, anyway, listen, Um, man. There's a cyclical nature to all of this, right in terms of like yeah, we think this this moment of racial reckoning with, with George Floyd, but you remember you remember the riots uh, around Rodney King like talk to me about like how different was that moment for George Floyd and like honestly the subsequent moments from the things that you've seen in the past like what's, what are the differences? Okay, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna reach back into my
2: old bag since you just since you just outed me as being old <laughs> into my Gen X bag. Uh, you're welcome for all the pop culture you enjoy from us. By the way, <laughs> you're welcome. Hip hop. You're welcome. Thank uh, you. Thank you. So, Thank you. <laughs> so, so uh, I would say this that the thing that I remember about the the the, uh, the uprising that happened after Rodney King after he those cops were found not guilty or innocent of those charges was I was laying in bed not knowing what to do. There was no Twitter, there was no Instagram, there was no online, so I felt alone. I felt completely alone. Now, the moment something happens, like, for example, when they overturned Roe versus Wade recently, I went immediately to Twitter and looked up Oakland on Twitter. Roe versus Wade. Where are we at tonight? (laughs) Like, what are what are we doing? Like to go, how can we get out here and get in these streets? Now, if I can't go out into those streets, I know I can retweet those links and share those with other people. So the idea being that, like, you are much closer to being able to make an impact today than you could back in the day as back in the day, as we say, everything wasn't better back in the day. You could, you're much closer to, for example, in the book we talk about doing the people who did the work, who are doing the work, and we talk about this black woman whose name I don't is off the top of my head, who literally young black woman, uh, you know, millennial, uh, maybe even younger than that, who was like the definition, the dictionary the definition of racism in the dictionary is wrong. It just it, that definition is about prejudice. It, racism is prejudice plus power. So she reached out to the dictionary and said, change the dictionary definition of racism, and they did. Now, that does not make peace dawn all over the world, but that's something that was impossible when I was that age, when I was young. You couldn't write to the dictionary. <laughs> how do you, how do you, e- how do you, there's no email, but I'm saying, so we have to understand there's multiple, there's, there's levels to
0: this, as we say. hundred percent, man. Look, there's a great, a great section. First of all, there's a super, bunch of great sections. In fact, there's a little color section where you colored Nina Simone, and then there was like, there was like rays coming out the keyboard. She was fire. Yeah. Like, I, super cold. Thank you.
2: And all the art was done by black, indigenous, Latinx, uh, AAPI, art and art of the artists of color. All of it was designed by, art, by black folks and artists of color.
0: I, I ain't trying to be funny. It was so creative. I knew a, a bunch of white folks didn't do it. It was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, look, man, there's a great section, though, in this book that talks about leverage and privilege, which we all have relative amounts of. In the corporate DEI space, one word we don't use a lot of is power the concept of having control and authority, yet for real change to happen, power has to be redistributed to those on the margins.
2: Yes. And you have to recognize what your power is and how. And so I think a lot of people get caught up in like, I'm not Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk. So I'm not I don't have white privilege. And the fact is, is like there's lots of ways. Do you you know, we joke, can you can you yell at a police officer and get away with it? That's a level of power. Can you Word. can you is a is a parking ticket just slightly annoying to you? That's a level of privilege. My daughter who's 11 last night did the check your privilege section and was like, "Look how much privilege I have." She's an 11-year-old mixed-race black girl living in Oakland and she recognizes I have more privilege than I thought I had. So if she can do that,
0: white people can do that. We can all do that. Thank you. Cuz that's what I was going to ask was, "Do you see the leveraging of your privilege as interchangeable with sharing power i think it's a part of it i don't think i think sometimes you
2: have to step out of the way and give your spot to somebody else when you have the ability to do that when you when it's not going to affect you in a negative way and sometimes being in that position of power you can keep the door open so i recognize for my example for myself I, having a, a TV show at CNN, The TV show started seven years ago, ever since then, every year, I have kept the door open to bring more black folks and other people of color through the door to work on my show in a way that, that if I wasn't doing that, I would still be surrounded by an all white crew like I was in the first season. So I think there's, there is, there is a balance. There's getting out of the way, but there's also staying in that place cause you can, so you can keep the
0: door open. To that end, as a DEI practitioner, as someone who has this whole space, live in corporate, we center and amplify black and brown folks at work. We're a, like a black-owned, bootstrap digital media network. I continue to question how real the work can be done in our hyper-capitalist corporate context. Do you think American capitalism is sustainably compatible with doing the work? No. Can you back a little bit further? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I just thought I was leave it at that. No, I think... American capitalism is not is not in line with the values of doing the work because we think that because we uh, because of the way the capitalism is structured in this country somehow we think if you make a lot of money in one area that you're smart across all areas and then you have people going this cap this guy who's rich should run for president <laughs> just because he's rich and not <laughs> is and so and so the idea being that like that and we also so American capitalism. It recreates oppression quite easily. So, you have people you have billionaires in this country where if you look at through the way they made their money, a lot of the their money was either made directly from slavery and the in the transatlantic slave trade, that was the beginnings of the corporation it happens in insurance all the time. I just saw a TikTok video about that. Or you have somebody who owns a company that might be a trillion dollars, but they aren't paying people all down the line an equitable and living wage. So, you go, that person's a billionaire. Yeah, but as as Many people have said you only get to a billion to get to a billion dollars. It is pretty likely that you have not paid people equitably along the way. If not, it's not hundred percent likely. I can't. I can't speak for Oprah. I'm not trying to indict every every billionaire. Although you know, but the idea being that like for the overwhelming majority of billionaires, they are not paying equitable
0: wages to get to their billion dollars. One hundred percent, man. Look, uh, it's a lot going on uh right now the word is on fire metaphorically and literally you know i'm in texas like literally 103 degrees outside um white folks still out here white folk in again you're gifted at finding humor and tragedy and you're good at looking at a bunch of terrible shit in the eye and not blinking specifically last night i saw this clip of you talking to this grand wizard at night with lights all around you and i said yo is he about to like punch this dude what is (laughs) happening this is people Um, sometimes want me to punch those people i just want to let them talk and expose themselves brother let me tell you something i felt for you in that moment then he got real upset when you said you had that white wife i saw him even behind that mask his face curled up he didn't like that yep yep said that he said that marrying a white a white woman was worse than murder
2: if i recall correctly
0: murder come on i said huh all right so so here's my question though. But let's be real. We know some black people feel that same way. (laughs) Hey, let's talk. Okay, all right, because I got a couple minutes left. I'm like, okay. Um, What humor are you finding though in this season to not get too low? You know, it's funny. I don't find the humor because I don't think
2: black folks. We don't find the humor. We use the humor to get through the pain. So I don't. I think that like that's just the survival mechanism. Nothing's funnier than hanging out with black folks talking about racism. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we will have real talk. We will talk about the pain points. We'll talk about the the things that make us angry. But the jokes will flow because that's how we de- that's a way in which we deal with some of the some of the pain. So, I don't, you know, for me, like all the like our first episode of United Shades of America this season was about wokeness and critical race theory. And there's a lot of laughter in that show because you have to laugh. You know, you laugh to keep from crying or laugh to keep keep from throwing a chair through a window. And so, for me, the idea being that like. I, the jokes come naturally because it's a
0: way to process the insanity. W Kamal, Bell, it's been a pleasure. Can see you're a friend of the show. Man, when you not even plugging the book, bro, come back, man. You're I'll come a hero, back. I'll dog. come Straight back. Up. I saw that I saw that tweet about how excited you were to see me. So I was like, I'll be back. Just a I'll little bit, back. dog. Just a little bit, bro.
2: Just a little bit. Just a little bit. I'll be back. All right, man. God bless. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, brother. Peace.
0: And we're back. Yo, again, shout out to W. Kamal Bell. So excited. So thankful to have him on the show. Make sure you check out Living Corporate. We hear almost every doggone day between our entire network. We definitely got something for you every day. And uh, if you ever checked out the new website, yo, go to living-corporate, please say the dash.com. It's really important. It's, a be- it's an unbelievable platform, right? Truly. Create your profile, select your interests, and you will get from our own library content pushed to you, recommended to you that is highly relevant to your experience and the things that you're looking for so you can learn and you can grow. All right. It's important, critical that you check it out, create the profile and give us five stars and up a podcast. Right. All right. For real, like show us some love. What else, man? We've got a Patreon. Got the merch. There's all the links in the show notes. You know what I'm, saying? I'm not about to plug a bunch of stuff right now. I, and, and also, don't forget to do the work, all right? <laughs> this has been Zach We're Living Corporate. We'll catch up with you soon. Peace.
1: Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate, LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.
0: Living Corporate is brought to you by Textio. Today's top talent is everywhere, representing everyone and our work environment should reflect the level of inclusion to meet that standard. Textio achieves this in building more equitable company cultures through the language we use in our job postings. That culture is formed one hire at a time, making the words we use to reach more diverse candidates all the more important. Our advanced language insights and employer brand content is what drives our mission of inclusion. Through our industry-leading application of artificial intelligence and machine learning, we're able to widen companies' reach in finding and building upon the very diverse talent that empowers a culture of belonging. Every door should be open to every qualified job seeker. Again, that's Textio.